Welcome to In Clear Terms with AARP California. Conversations on issues impacting Californians of all ages. Here's your host, Theon Gordon. Welcome to In Clear Terms with AARP California. Join us as we dive into issues and policies that impact Californians of all ages, particularly older adults, and learn how you can connect with AARP to make our state more livable for all. I am an AARP volunteer and your host, Dr. Theon Gordon. Today, we will talk with housing expert Denise Pinkston about the state of housing in California, potential solutions to the housing crisis, including proposed legislation, and how you can help become a part of the housing solution. Denise is a partner at TMG Partners, founder and president of the housing nonprofit, the Casita Coalition, and serves as a member on AARP California's Housing Strike Force, which is comprised of housing leaders who meet quarterly to share best practices and drive change. Denise, welcome to the show. It was wonderful to have you joining us today as we discuss a topic important to many Californians, housing. Can you tell us more about yourself and your work, particularly with Casita Coalition? Yes, and thank you so much for having me. I have worked my whole life in California and raised two kids. And it break, as a person in California, it just breaks my heart to see how much human suffering is happening everywhere in our state. And, and it's not just in California. Headlines in the last few weeks have said that the housing crisis, the housing shortage is national in scope and is it's feeding the major problems we experience of the day. It's feeding climate change problems as folks are driven farther away from urban centers to find affordable housing. It's fueling homelessness for people who hit one bump in the road, particularly seniors uh, who worked their whole lives and saved and did everything they were supposed to do. And they, you know, housing prices have gone up hundreds of percentage points and they can no longer afford their rental housing or to buy a home. I watch my kids struggling to find a place to live in California and, and likelihood is that they, some of them at least will relocate elsewhere due to the housing costs. So as, as I age, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid sixties, as I look toward retirement, lots of seniors are going to lose family members to other parts of the country because families can no longer afford to remain here. So it affects every aspect of what we do. And that depth of the seriousness of the problem has led me to be kind of an uber housing volunteer, if you will. <laughs> and to take all of my experience professionally, I've worked in planning and land use zoning, real estate for my entire career, and to do something with that. So I founded the CETA Coalition because in my experience, small, simple homes are the lowest cost to build. They can be built in every neighborhood on existing lots with existing infrastructure. And they start to address the problems of the day. They make more housing available so families can stay together. They allow seniors to age in place. They're greener because they're smaller and you have less stuff when you live in a small home. And they reuse existing lots and neighborhoods in a way that adds gentle density without some of the environmental impacts of pushing ever outward into wildland fire zones in California. That is a great initiative that you have. And I love the idea of the casita. We're definitely going to get back to talking about the smaller housing, because I know there's a lot of us who have a lot to put in a small house. So we have to figure out how to downsize. 
But what's interesting is housing is this hot topic nationally, but especially in California. Our state is home to some of the most expensive housing markets. Can you explain the state of the housing crisis in California? Why is it happening? Why is it more critical than ever that we find solutions like your Casita project? The biggest problem facing builders trying to build more housing to address demand is that costs in California are higher than they are anywhere else in the country. And it's an outgrowth of of my life history of planning and land use and environmental preservation, we have developed rules and standards for new housing developments that are hard to achieve and are costly. So we're, we're essentially, it's like the old Pogo cartoon from the 60s. We have seen the problem and it is us. All of the rules that we have created over my professional lifetime make it very difficult, if not impossible, to scale up and build lots of housing, which is what we need in every community quickly. So if you will, I I liken it to a supply pipeline. You imagine you're trying to water your garden hose with a drinking straw. The drinking straw is just too small. Not enough water will come out of it to feed the plants. That's kind of what we've done to the housing supply pipeline. We've squeezed it down so small that only a trickle of housing can come out the end. And in order to solve that really systemic problem, we have to start peeling away barriers to housing of all sorts. And and sometimes they begin with zoning barriers. Sometimes it's process barriers. Sometimes it's impact fees. We expect housing to pay for everything that we want in society. We want housing to pay for our parks, our schools, our open space, our transportation networks, our infrastructure, and our additional affordable housing. And Jerry Brown, when he did his first housing package in 2016 as the governor of the state, took a look at the building code from 20 years ago and the building code today. And the building code from 20 years ago was, you know, a binder. The building code from today was three really big binders. And he just looked at that and said, you know, sometimes too much of a good thing is a bad thing. And that's kind of where we are in the housing space. We have expect so much from housing that all we can build is the mythological unicorn housing in many places, not everywhere, but, and that unit is 100% sustainable, mostly affordable, doesn't have any impacts that haven't been mitigated with cash and pays to build additional affordable housing somewhere else. Yeah. Most, that housing just not gonna work most places. So we're gonna have to start setting our expectations to what can actually happen in the world, which is why my particular focus has been on this small housing space, because that happen. It's lower cost. It works everywhere. You can align the rules to allow it to happen and encourage it and then help people get there. It works in every community. And I think, you know, so accessory dwelling units are an example. Allowing more duplex housing is an example. Um, It's working today in every community in California. Yeah. So it sounds like the, the crisis is around the space, not having enough space, maybe not proper utilization of the space. And for many older adults, the cost of housing in California is an extreme burden. It is just so high. And to add on to what you mentioned, California's aging population continues to grow. It's growing at an unprecedented rate. We're the baby boomers. And it's part of this massive demographic shift that's happening across the nation and the world. People are moving here and there because of the burden of the cost of housing. How do we deal with that part of the crisis? 
it's all related, right? It's one big Gordian knot of problems and the cost out to seniors is a big part of that puzzle. Any super complicated problem needs to have lots of solutions. There's no silver bullet. It's yes to all of the above kind of a way we need to to hit. So at the Casita Coalition, what we say is every neighborhood should be more inclusive. It should have more types of homes that are affordable to a range of folks. More housing, what we call middle housing types, duplexes, triplexes, ADUs, more scaled middle income housing. And unless we do a lot of that everywhere, this crisis will be with us. It will not go away. And the, the easiest place to start is reusing spaces we already have. So for example, if you have a, if you're an older Californian and you have a big home, allowing some portion of your home to be reused for a family member. Many seniors in California are building ADUs or are moving into them. Sometimes they're built by the senior so that the senior moves into the ADU and they rent the house to a family and they have someone closer to them that provides some additional community. Maybe that family has someone who's handy with a hammer when a roof shingle comes loose that the senior can't handle on their own anymore. And it's just, people are used to living in community. So allowing our housing to embrace that community of families that change over time is a really lovely way for seniors to find a place that they can afford and a way to accommodate you know younger Californians on their property. So that's one option. I think that's a great option. I, I love that you brought it up because the vast majority of older adults want to remain in their current homes and their communities. Surveys conducted by AARP consistently show that roughly 80% of adults age 50 or older want to do what we call aging in place in their homes and in their communities. Yet, even the older adults who could afford to stay in California are losing their support networks, their family, their friends, their caregivers are leaving California due to the high cost of housing. So solutions like having the ADUs, like you mentioned, could be perfect for keeping these networks together, for uh, building better community or for building a, a, an inclusive community and a diverse community. How does the Casitas project work to to do that, to bring those type of things to fruition? Sure. So part of our work is just public education, that these housing forms aren't scary or bad. They've always been with us. Whenever there was economic struggle historically in, in America, people added more people to their property. You know, whether it's you turn a big house into a boarding house, which happened a lot during the depression, or you just rent a room. That's what people have always done to take care of one another in a time of crisis. And now they call it Airbnb, right, Denise? <laughs> I used to call it a border. You know, my parents used to say, we have a border. Right. And now they call it a Airbnb. <laughs> well, that's a whole other topic that we don't have to get into today, the whole Airbnb phenomenon, which is terrific in lots of ways, but I think is eating a lot of our housing stock and taking it off the rental market. Uh-huh. So I, I think it's a mixed bag, but- but for the moment, for today, you know, I know, I would say every family I know of modest means, every who own, who is fit, fortunate enough to own a home has kids who cannot stay in California and they are all trying to find a way to let their kids live on their property. Whether it's my acupuncturist who jokes that she's got a kibbutz in the East Bay now because she has her kids and their kids all living in a family compound, 
or family friends with young adult kids who cannot afford housing in the Bay Area. Who, and these families are all adding units so that they can they can kind of hang together in tough times. And for the elders, a lot of these folks aren't seniors yet, but you know they know they will be in, in 10 years or so. They look forward to just having their loved ones close, just like you said. They want to stay in their community. They want to be near their families. They don't mind sharing the, the extra space. You know, it's sharing. Folks who have too much house are often happy to share with those who have too little. If you can have privacy in your own space, your own kitchen, your own bathroom. And so Casita Coalition's work is to remove the barriers to that kind of gentle infill, uh, both on the ADU small housing side, but also really commercial properties that might be converted to residential. Any reuse of what we have to accommodate some more gentle density is a really great part of the solution set for the housing crisis. I love that. I love that there's a a group that helps bring those solutions to light and and helps make it happen. I will probably be reaching out to you because I'm actually trying to turn a garage into an ADU. Please do. And I have young people staying at my house all the time. So I'm kind of used to that as well. Now, a lot of how we can do this is through legislation. And as you mentioned in the beginning, a lot of the laws or regulations or rules that were set in the beginning don't necessarily fit what we're doing now. So for example, in my neighborhood, before I wouldn't be able to turn my garage into an ADU because of parking restrictions. But now, because there's a metro line that's gonna be in the neighborhood, because it's close to transportation, then they're waiving some of the restrictions. I understand that there's also a few housing bills that are making their way through the California state legislation. Can you touch on some of these critical bills and what they do? Absolutely. You know, I I did a career in local government and tried to do more housing at the local level. And I know there's controversy in California about the wisdom of using state powers to control what local governments do. But many of the laws we have in place now and some of the laws coming through, hopefully in this session, could be transformative to removing barriers that allow people to take care of one another in this crisis. You mentioned now you can build an ADU in your garage. That's thanks to a bill that a number of Casita Coalition founders wrote and lobbied and carried in Sacramento back in 2016. And there've been a series of ADU bills since then, all of them kind of fine tuning the rules to remove barriers. There's a couple of ADU bills in this session. Senator Wachowski, has an ADU bill that will remove some additional barriers and extend the ability of homeowners to rent both their home and their ADU if for some reason they need to leave their ADU. That bill is uh, SB 897. There is another bill that would remove pit parking minimums, AB 1067, that would allow more infill development near transportation, just like you described, with less parking. Another really potentially important bill. Assemblymember Buffy Wicks has a bill called AB 2011, the Affordable Housing and High Roads Job Act. And what it would allow is the conversion of commercially zoned properties for residential uses provided that workers are paid a fair wage and some amount of affordable housing is included in the project. Oh, interesting. So that would be like a mixed use space. Yeah. So, in, you know, different regions of the state, say you're, you live in Los Angeles, there are 
miles and miles of underutilized one and two story commercial strips in the Los Angeles metro area. Those could be converted to infill housing sites. Some of them are barely hanging in there and they're filled with nail salons and things that we all would like to have, but we don't necessarily need to have one every other block. So some of those mall sites, for example, could be converted to residential uses in in an urban area near jobs with infrastructure, as an example. Around the world now, thanks to COVID and the the new work from home phenomenon, office buildings are standing 20% occupied, 50% occupied. And many of those buildings will no longer be functional as office space into the future, and certainly not in the near-term future. So allowing those buildings that might be zoned commercial with that wouldn't allow residential land uses to be converted to housing or hotel spaces to be converted to housing makes a lot of sense when we have too much of one kind of land use and not enough of the other allowing what you got too much of to be converted to what you really need makes good sense. So those are examples of just removing barriers to adaptive reuse of existing spaces, whether that space is your garage or the underutilized strip mall down the street. It would allow these spaces to be used for housing in a a time when we don't have enough land or enough places that work for residential uses to take care of the needs of our citizenry. That's a great solution. I love that particular bill. It it sounds like a great solution. I'm sure there would be some challenges to it and why people would not want to do that. But I understand there are some other things that are solutions or that people are considering. And in clear terms, can you tell us what adaptive reuse is and what that might look like in the community? And does it have anything to do with some of the bills you just mentioned? Sure. You know, remember 10, 20 years ago, Californians were saying, oh, we have to reduce, reuse, recycle. That's how we be green, the the three R's. Well, adaptive reuse is the same idea. Instead of recycling your cans and bottles, we're recycling land and buildings and allowing them to be reused for the needs of today. So we might in the 50s have needed a garage and we didn't need housing very much. Today, we really need the housing and maybe the car can be put on the driveway. So it's it's allowing spaces that were zoned to be one thing to be reused in this case for housing. And would that be like the AB 2011, the conversion of commercial to residential? Yes. And there's one other bill, I think the Anna Caballero bill, SB6. So there's a couple of bills that are trying to get to the same idea. For example, a lot of hotels were purchased and reused for emergency homeless housing during the pandemic. There's a a move afoot to convert underutilized hotels that are closing because there's not as much tourism in certain places or travel allow those to be converted to senior housing, for example, because you invent, you have a small room with a bathroom and a kitchenette, often in a hotel, and that could be convenient and easy to reuse as senior rental housing for a, a senior who can't afford a bigger apartment or, or doesn't own a home. So allowing those conversions is a really sensible way to allow the land we have to work as it can for the people who who live here and who needs things today they didn't need 20 or 30 years ago. Absolutely. And considering the the high cost of living that's occurring across the country, but in particular in California, coupled with the afford an affordable housing shortage, fixed incomes and skyrocketing health expenses, 
financial strains are just prominent for many older residents. And it's also caused the rise in senior homelessness. What can we do to combat this? What what can the listeners do in clear terms? What are some of the steps we can take to work toward remedying these challenges? If you're fortunate enough to own a home, think deeply about whether you could get comfortable sharing your home, whether it's a home share, like a border, or renting your garage or a portion of your property to is a separate rental unit. Many, many California communities have under-occupied existing homes where one person or two people live in a home designed for six or eight people. So just allowing that, and many AARP listeners are fortunate enough to own their own homes. Not Obviously, many still live in rental housing, but if you're fortunate enough to have more house than you need, maybe you think about sharing some. And there are resources in your community or you can contact the Casita Coalition for resources to explore what that looks like. I encourage listeners to get on the Casita Coalition website. It's www.casitacoalition.org. There you'll see photographs of ADUs and, and additional units all over California. They, they all look different. Each homeowner's needs were different. And you can explore 60 different homeowner approaches to doing these from the safety of your living room while you're imagining whether that is something you could get comfortable doing. Now, does the, the Casita Coalition, do you actually help homeowners to pursue this and, and help them go through the steps. I'll, I'll give an example. I've been trying to do this process and calling architects to come and let me know, is it possible? And I've had different people tell me different things. And it's it's been just so confusing. It's hard. It's confusing. In this space, in this small housing space, companies didn't exist to build lots of this until 2017 because it was illegal to do most times, most places. Now it's legal, and so companies are sprouting up, showing you different ways of handling it. Some of them are site design specific, where you hire an architect and you design your own unit, and then you hire a builder. That's much more labor intensive for a homeowner. There are other models where you hire a company and they do that for you, and they bring the unit and they put it in your backyard. So we can talk offline about options, but again, get on our website. We have a wealth of information that just tells homeowners what the process is like, what you can expect, what the cost is. And then we have members around the state who do this, who are, you know, can provide you with additional assistance. Oh, that's perfect. We don't do one-on-one homeowner counseling because we don't have enough people. We're a two-year-old organization and Everyone works really hard, but helping 9 million California homeowners one at a time isn't something we're staffed up to do. But we do have a great website with a lot of information and good videos that tell the story of people who've made this journey so you can imagine what the journey might look like for you. That helps our listeners, I'm sure, a lot because it puts it in clear terms. That's what our show is about, giving a step-by-step process and having a place to go to see that process is a wonderful way to get started on a journey of being a part of the solution to advancing the housing crisis and eliminating the housing crisis in California. So can we have that website again? Yes, it's www.casitacoalition.org. And you can go to the, the page that's called For Homeowners. There's a wealth of homeowner information there. But we have other solutions too, right? Sharing your home is one. But I think 
It's really on all of us, frankly, the senior citizens of California who enjoyed living in this state to help guide our state towards a future where the next generation of Californians can live here too. There are kids, there are workers, they service our groceries, they give us our food, sometimes they deliver our meals, and it's on us to engage and help California be their home too. We don't want California to be the golden state for wealthy people in their golden years, right? We gotta have a whole community, which includes people of all ages, all backgrounds, all incomes, and California is losing that diversity. So become more active. Volunteer in your community, be on a zoning board, uh, be a voice of yes to more homes for more families in California and support all these housing solutions. I think I used to sit on a zoning board in my community and every housing project we heard, people would get up and say, well, I'm in favor of more housing, but not this housing because we want more parking, more green, it's too tall, it needs more setbacks, and it should be all affordable because we don't need market rate housing. That's going back to my initial point, you cannot build a mythological house. A house cannot solve all the world's ills and still get built for people at a price they can afford. So being a voice of yes for housing, all kinds of housing, affordable and market rate and big and small is really important and as wisdom, the elder wisdom of our communities, I think we have a citizen obligation to engage and to help people learn and to guide them toward a future of California that offers to our kids what we benefited from when we grew up and worked here. Well, I love that you mentioned one way that we could engage and get involved, which is sitting on a zoning board. And I'm sure that you can look up how to sit on a zoning board and figure out what that means for your community. What are some other ways that Californians can get involved and and support? Yeah, write letters on projects in your community. Housing, you can can log on and get notices of every housing project going to your planning commission or city council. And you can just send them an email every time there's a housing project. Yeah, we should do that. And it's easy. That's the easy thing. Same with state laws. You can send letters to legislators and to legislative committees that say, yes, we should do that. We should do those more housing things. Everyone's voice matters in this conversation. And I think for too long, the housing conversation in California has been dominated by people who found new housing to be a threat and who articulate all the reasons why we should say no to new housing. And I think it's time for those of us who really feel the need to make our voices heard so that people hear more about why we think yes to housing matters. And there's lots of ways to do that. City council, your state legislator, track these bills and send in support letters, talk to your neighbors. It it all just starts in the communities where we live and being more active. And I, I find many seniors in California still somewhat afraid of new housing which I understand change is is scary, but change will happen. The harder we try to resist it, the more likely it is that prices will go up and our kids won't be able to live here. So helping to be guide a way forward where we can say yes to housing in a way that supports aging in place, sustainable communities is really important. So I encourage everyone to use their voice. 
Thank you for that. Thank you so much for that. And Denise, you also serve as a member on AARP California's Housing Strike Force. What does that look like? Is that something that our listeners can get involved in as well? Well, it's a small group of people who've done this for 30 years. So unless unless your members want to be that deep in the weeds on housing policy, that might not be the thing to do. But I know that AARP will occasionally do notices to members or calls to action for members to become more active on, say, a housing bill or a housing topic. And keep an eye out for those. If you follow the Casita Coalition and get a copy of our newsletter, we occasionally send out calls to action and and ask our members and our friends to send letters in places where we think it will be helpful. Great. Well, Denise, thank you so much for joining us for episode five of In Clear Terms with AARP California. Do you have any last comments before we wrap up? I just want to thank you and AARP for being a leader on this issue and for really providing high quality information to folks so that they can understand what's going on, how we got here and how we can all work together to keep California for everybody. Well, thank you. Thank you for that information and for sharing what's going on with the housing crisis and how we can get involved. Again, you can help drive housing solutions in California by signing up for AARP advocacy alerts by texting JOIN22777. That's texting JOIN22777. Also, we invite you to stay up to date with AARP's advocacy work by visiting aarp.org forward slash advocacy. That's aarp.org forward slash advocacy. In future episodes, we look forward to hosting experts and elected officials who can shed light on critical issues in our state, how AARP's working to ensure the voice of those ages 50 plus is heard, and how you, our listeners, can learn more and act on these important decisions. Thank you for listening.